Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning and welcome to the First Baptist Church again. We're so thankful for those listening and watching, some for the first time, on YouTube and Facebook. Appreciate that very much. Shortly we're going to be reading the scriptures. In, uh, we get back to the book of Hebrews and our study in the book of Hebrews. And after this chapter, we've got one more, chapter 13, and then we'll start on another book, Lord willing. The title of this message today will be Law and Grace. Law and Grace. And you should have a handout there, folks here. Follow along and you'll get all the answers. Command given in these scriptures here and other passages of scripture is for Christians to seek peace with others, if you can. It's not always possible. To seek peace, especially with other believers. Love builds harmony in the church. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of churches that don't have that harmonious love amongst us. Some of you may have experienced that personally. And I uh, thank God that we do have that harmonious love in this assembly. Amen? Amen? Love builds harmony in the church. I'm talking about the church. I mean, when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm on about the body of Christ. Those that are born again are members of the body of Christ. We are family. Amen? We are family. No. That commercial. Also a sign to unbelievers. The harmony we have amongst one another. It's a good testimony to unbelievers that witness that between us. Christians, we are also told, are to live moral lives. Moral lives helped by the power, and we can't do it by ourselves, the power of the Holy Spirit. Sin is always a result of rejecting God's will in some way. It's rebellion against God. That's what sin is, amen? In a nutshell. And those who persist in sin and don't repent turn from it, they prove that they do not submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, obviously, like Esau, which is mentioned in this chapter, which Joe is about to read for us. Good morning. We're going to be reading Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to go from verse 14 to 29. I've got to lift this up. This is going to be on page 1877. Make every effort to live in peace with all men, and to be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it. My hands aren't as nimble as they used to be. That no one misses the grace of God 
and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single mill sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, he wanted to inherit the blessing. He was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing without tears. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that was burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names were written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a bitter word that the blood of Abel. As the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warned us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Praise God. Blessed be his word. Thank you, Joe. You know, one of the uh, main themes uh, to the letter of the Hebrews is Jesus' superiority over the old covenant law. He's better than that. He's better than all the prophets. He's uh, better than the angels, which are innumerable. So many, can't count them. Only God knows the amount. There are, he's better than anything, amen? And this book, this letter to the Christians in wherever they were, points out the difference between the new covenant in Christ and also the old covenant. The old covenant, testament law, the new covenant, testament of grace. There's difference, there's an amazing amount of difference. God's law is good. It was given by God, obviously. So all things that God gives is good, amen? Because God is good. And this 
chapter, it points out the difference. In fact, the whole book really points out the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. God's law is good, but it condemns. It condemns. God's grace is good, and it saves. God's grace saves. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast, lest anyone should take the credit. Your salvation was got, had nothing to do with you. You agreed with God, but it was through God's grace, hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He convinced you. He showed you. He revealed himself to you, who he, who he is. That he died for you, a sinner. You believed it. And then you were saved by his grace alone. Verses 18 through 29, the writer compares Mount Sinai of the Old Testament and to Mount Zion. To Mount Zion. We're going to be looking at the difference between Sinai and Zion. Mount Sinai, some of you know already, was where God revealed himself to the people of Israel, the Israelites, when they came out of bondage. Where God gave his servant, Moses, the law, the Ten Commandments. Mount Sinai was untouchable, unapproachable, off-limits to the people. Only Moses was allowed to go up to the mountain to commune with God, to receive the Ten Commandments. Nobody else. In fact, nobody was allowed to touch the mountain. It was untouchable. It was unapproachable. Off limits. God told Moses to set up a boundary so that sinners, which they all were, which we all were, wouldn't be consumed by a holy, holy, holy God. He was off limits. He was off limits. It says that verse 20 there. Let's find it again. Because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses says, I am trembling with fear. God is almighty, a consuming fire. The message of Mount Sinai was not designed to produce intimacy with God, with fellowship with God, but instill a holy reverential fear of God. Is that? The people who witnessed this awesome demonstration of God's power knew without a doubt that he was not like them because he is holy, 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 beyond anything that they could possibly have imagined. They were content for just let Moses go up there because they know if they even touched that mountain, they'd be consumed. So let him go up there. They know if they did, they would perish immediately. They would be zapped. 
No one had the right to go up and stand in God's presence without his permission. Amen? So there's a big difference between law and grace. We're going to learn more about that as we go along. Verse 22 says, But you, and he's referring to, he's writing to Christians, remember. He's writing to believers. He's not talking about those Israelites in the time of Moses. But you have come to Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai, to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. That's where they are now. The writer is not referring to, when he's talking about Zion, Mount Zion, he's not talking about a little hill that still exists outside of Jerusalem called Zion. He's not referring to that little hill. He's referring to a true, genuine place, the heavenly Jerusalem called Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. And one day we will be there. That will be our dwelling place one day. And when he says you, you have come, the writer is referring to Christians that have put their faith in Jesus Christ who have reserved their place in the heavenly Jerusalem, Mount Zion. Our place is reserved. You ever been to a place where there's a, a piece of paper there or whatever, cardboard, and it says reserved? You think, oh, I wish I could have sat there. Someone else has got the privilege. They've got a reserved seat. Well, we have a reserved seat in Mount Zion. It's a very different from unapproachable Sinai in the Old Testament. Sinai represents the Old Covenant law. Mount Sinai represents the Old Covenant law. Mount Zion represents God's grace, the heavenly Jerusalem. Are you with me so far? The mountain of the New Covenant is Mount Zion, which is approachable, unlike Mount Sinai, which was unapproachable. You see the difference? You see the contrast. Mount Sinai symbolizes God's Old Testament law, whereas Mount Zion symbolizes God's New Testament grace. No one can be saved by God's law, the Old Testament, because you have to keep it 100% of the time. So in one form or another, we've all broken it, whether in word or deed or in our hearts. Nobody can be saved by the Old Testament law. But, thank God, anyone can be saved by God's grace. Through faith in believing who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross. For us, personally. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. The law is designed to confront 
mankind with God's perfect standard of righteousness and it's to show us that we fall short of his perfect standard of righteousness that we're not holy we're far from it we fall short of his perfect standard of righteousness we it reveals his judgments as a result of that and his condemnation of sin and sinners Unless you're saved, then you're already condemned. Jesus said that. Read it in John chapter 3. Whereas God's grace through Christ, it offers forgiveness and eternal life to those who believe in him. Mount Sinai was forbidding. It was foreboding. It was terrifying. Whereas Mount Zion is inviting and gracious. See the contrast? Mount Sinai was cut off and covered in darkness. Whereas Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, is the city of light and open to all if they believe in Jesus. Psalm 50 verse 2 says, Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shone forth. There's no darkness in Zion. But Sinai, it was dark. It was foreboding. It was forbidden. No one could approach it. Mount Sinai stands for judgment and death. Mount Zion for forgiveness and life. Again, when the writer says you have come, means our reservation is secure in the heavenly Jerusalem. Philippians chapter 3, 20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. This place, this earth is not our home. It's temporary. We're just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we've reserved our place in the heavenly Jerusalem, Mount Zion. Only Christians are citizens of the heavenly city, Zion, and we will enjoy its privileges forever and ever and ever eternally that's forever <laughs> mount sinai was only a temporary stopover on earth for the israelites it was a temporary stopover but mount zion is a permanent dwelling place in heaven not temporary permanent for all races that have placed their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on a cross. All races. As that song says, yellow, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Verse 22 and 3 says, You have come to thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn 
whose names are written in heaven. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your name is written in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, those these thousands of angels in joyful assembly. They're going to be there. That's where they are. To the church of the firstborn. The church is believers in Jesus Christ. We're going to be there with thousands upon thousands of other fellow believers and thousands and thousands and thousands multiple thousands of angels we're going to see what they're all like it's going to be very very amazing can't wait to get there but not yet let me finish the assembly in mount zion like is the angels innumerable only god can count them and we and the church of the firstborn those that are already there that have passed on, that have left this mortal body, absent from the body, present with the Lord. They're going to enjoy the fullness of joy forevermore in the presence of Almighty God. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? As opposed to the, the gloom and the doom and depression of Mount Sinai, of the old covenant. Verse 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Zion is not like that. It's not all doom and gloom and depression. It's fullness of joy, which we'll enjoy forever and ever. Ever. Now in verse 25, it warns, and this book is one of the themes of this book of Hebrews, it's warning those that were turning away from Christ and reverting back to the Old Testament law. And there's many warnings for them not to do that, not to turn away, but to keep on keeping on. That's one of the main themes of this book. Believers that are being warned not to refuse God's voice. See, we've all got a free will. We can either do God's will or we could do our own will. He says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they, referring to the Israelites that perished in the desert, if they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we, believers, if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? So there's consequences of turning away from Christ, doing your own thing, and not doing what the word of God says. The word of God is the standard by which each person is judged. It's God's standard, perfect standard. That includes Christians. God's word can either be obeyed or rejected. You know, you can either obey your parents 
or you can reject what they tell you, but then you'll suffer the consequences. If you've got a good parent, you'll be disciplined. And that's the same with God. We'll be disciplined if we disobey and reject his word. Rightly so. So there's no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. It's either right or it's wrong. And the word of God is always right. Amen? God speaks through his word. But we can refuse to believe what it says. Because we have a free will. And we're stubborn. By nature. We can believe what it says. We can either believe what it says or refuse to believe what it says. We can harden our hearts just like those religious leaders did back in the time of Jesus when he was on earth. They just hardened their hearts and refused to believe who he said he was, the Messiah. Those religious leaders were striving religiously through their efforts to keep the law of Moses. In fact, they keep on adding more and more and more rules and laws that no one could keep. They couldn't even keep ten of them. Nobody can. And they were striving in their own efforts to keep the law of Moses. But they refused to believe in Jesus by faith. Rebellion against God has severe consequences. It says that in verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. It says in verse 26, At that time his voice shook the earth. This is talking about Sinai. And the Israelites experienced that. We've got the history of what happened. Written down in the word of God, which is true. At that time his voice, God's voice, it shook the whole earth. But now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this is going to be a future event when God is going to completely shake the earth and the heavens. It's all going to be destroyed. God created it, but God will destroy it eventually. The words once more indicate the removing of what was, can be shaken. What's that? Tangible things like Mount Sinai. God's creation. So that what cannot be shaken may remain what cannot be shaken what cannot be removed mount zion the heavenly jerusalem it says that right there since therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken it's referring to mount zion the heavenly jerusalem let us be thankful are you thankful this morning he says that, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God. And that's the purpose why we're here. And it's not for long, it's only for an hour. How many hours are there in a week? Does anybody know? Neither do I. But there's a lot. Somebody can Google it. It's only one hour, right? Can we spare an hour to worship God? Apparently some can't. 
is to their loss. I'm having a good time, are you? Well, I am anyway. I don't know about you. Thank you. I got one. Amen over there. So worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Why? God's a consuming fire. Let's be thankful. Means being filled with gratitude to God for who he is, for what he's done, for what he's going to do. We've got a reservation in the heavenly Jerusalem. Shouldn't we be thankful? Absolutely, we should. An attitude of, a gratitude attitude, if you want to put it that way. You've heard that one before. I know Linda has. She always remembers my messages. <laughs> Verbatim. <laughs> right. Heartfelt gratitude. Expressing our worship, our faithfulness. Ah. And our obedience to the word of God. It says, serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. Why? Because of who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do. Plus the fact that each and every one of us is going to have to give an account to God for what we've done. It's... And to verify that fact, I'm going to read it, not take my word for it. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and I'll read it. He says, therefore, we, believers, are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We're not with the Lord yet. One day we will be. Once we die, our last breath, we shuttle off this mortal coil, this body will die, and we'll, from absence from this body, and we'll be present with the Lord immediately. There's no purgatory, no such thing. That's the lie of the devil. Verse 7, we live by faith. We don't live by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Because once we're with the Lord, we've got no more troubles. Our troubles are over. We've got no more pain. We've got no more mourning. We've got no more suffering. We've got no more worries. We've got no more cares. We've got no more fear. I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, we make it our goal or our aim to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Now, here's the key verse. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of us may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body whether it be good or bad so this is on a this is not about judgment and paying the penalty for our sins it's about receiving rewards 
for being faithful to Jesus. So don't turn back. Don't turn back like those Hebrew Christians were tempted to do because God is a consuming fire. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, again, we're so thankful for your word and I hope and pray that it was clear for us to see the difference between law and grace from Mount Sinai, Sinai that uh, represents the old covenant law, which condemns and judges, to compared to Mount Zion, which is full of grace, mercy, compassion, and truth, found only through Jesus Christ the Lord, the new covenant. We thank you for the blood of Christ that washes away our sins, that gives us a purpose in life, that gives true peace that this world cannot give, no matter uh, what it offers. It never compares. It can never compare to what you can give us through receiving Jesus. Help us to be obedient, not resist what you're trying to do in our lives. Help us to resist the devil and to not refuse the power of the Holy Spirit who who is working in us to help us to be more like Christ each and every day. And I just ask for those of you that are listening, watching, if you've never received Jesus as your saviour, then you're still lost in your sins. And if you die, you'll die in those sins and there's no way you'll ever get into heaven. You're already condemned to suffer eternal separation from God. But Jesus died on the cross to bridge that gap between sinners and God. He reconciled us to him through his death on the cross. He died for you and he died for me, a sinner. And those that believe that he did that, we confess it, that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, the promise is that we shall be saved. So I hope and pray that you will be. And uh, go with God instead of doing your own thing aimlessly in this world that only leads to destruction. If you want to receive life, you have to receive Jesus, who is the life. And if you want to spend eternity in heaven, you must receive him. And I hope and pray that you do. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you for those who are listening, Facebook and uh, YouTube. And if you like this sermon, give us the thumbs up, give us a like, and that way we'll get the message out for more people. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m., We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.